0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now
2: time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Okay, we've got Mr. Nick Ellis on the line with us and... uh, Nick, I was uh, thumbing through Hemming and uh, saw your old ad, and I thought, gee, we're in, the, we're in the same business, or we're on the same page anyway. And uh, that page happens to be that uh, since uh, we started the show 15 years ago, unbelievably, oh, shit. Um, there are paper towels in the, in the kitchen there. Um, since we started the show... Uh, Steve Ronaldo and uh, I really focused in on how are we going to help keep the hobby, the business alive and the way you do it is you've got to bring new blood in and new blood means teenagers and kids that are looking for something and have a love of cars like like we all do. So as I was going through Hemming and saw RPM, I decided to call and We've, we're very fortunate to have Nick Ellis on. He's the program officer for RPM, and he's going to tell us all about it today, and we're prepared. Um, Nick, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to America's Web Radio.
0: So, yeah, the, uh, the RPM Foundation uh, is very much in line with what you're talking about. You're talking about the need to get more young people involved not just in the skilled trades but specifically for automotive and automotive restoration and this is a situation that really comes out of that push in the 1970s and 80s towards pursuing a four-year college degree for everybody across the board and what we've seen as a result of that is that there's this great lack of skilled labor these days you know uh, there's need for plumbers or carpenters or electricians but probably the industry that's hurting the most is automotive it's estimated that there's every year a need for 175,000 new automotive technicians across the country and that there's only a supply of about 50,000 new entries to the industry so if you look at how that's affecting automotive general. Imagine how that's affecting automotive and motorcycle and marine restoration, because this is, I think this will resonate with you guys and with your audience, the the belief that vehicles are more than just a way of getting from one place to another is something that's, you know, if you're into classic car collecting, you really believe that. You believe that these are part of our heritage, they're part of our culture, they're part of our community. And it takes a very special person to want to pursue that as a career. You're not learning an industry, you're learning a craft. So what the RPM Foundation does is we try to educate and inform young people about the possibilities of a career in the industry, and we do our best to support programs that provide educational opportunities for young people. We do scholarship funding. We have funded McPherson College, which is, uh, if you know, it's the only four-year bachelor's degree program in the country in automotive restoration. We fund Pennsylvania College of Technology, Central Carolina Community College, uh, Alfred State College in New York. Any college, uh, any post-secondary or high school program that has curriculum as part of their—I'm uh, sorry restoration as part of their curriculum, we try to support that and make sure that uh, the students have scholarship funding and support to complete their education. You know, so that's, we, um, in a nutshell, what the, how we got started.
2: Over the years, we've talked about it, and uh, as we've interviewed uh, museums and so forth, uh, how important it is to let kids know what automobiles have done for the United States. They've built us, and... Uh, you know, the, our major highways and our transportation of goods and services, our, our over-the-road trucks that uh, bring our most needed things, like we just found out how important uh, toilet paper is. And uh, <laughs> so the, hey, uh, we have that going on continually as well. Um, so I'm going to turn you all, uh, over to Steve and uh, Jim.
1: Okay. Uh, can you hear me now, Nick? I can't hear you, Steve. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, Jim. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, I just. I have. I have one question. Are you affiliated at all with any of the big car collections and museums?
0: We are. We have a, uh, a partnership with. LeMay America's car Museum and I You're saw right. that you had I thought so on, uh, I, I thought a so. years back
1: yeah okay yeah I, yeah. I wondered because so, I think your address is at Tacoma if I'm not correct if I remember
0: correctly yeah so if you look at the structure of our organization there's uh, the larger organization is America's Automotive Trust which is a uh, convener of like-minded nonprofits. So underneath America's Automotive Trust is LeMay America's Car Museum, the RPM Foundation, and TechForce Foundation. And TechForce Foundation works very similarly to the RPM Foundation in that they support pathways to careers for young people in automotive. But they do it for uh, automotive technology, uh, collision and repair. Uh, So these are the students that are going to be going into dealerships, uh, diesel shops, Body and collision repair shops. So it's modern technology, and then RPM uh, tries to foster students uh, who are into classic cars and motorcycles and marine. Okay. Nick,
3: all right, Nick. Nick, you guys don't actually have a, uh, a, a facility. You don't do you don't do training. You you support the people that do the training, correct?
0: We do, but you brought up uh, an interesting point. We're actually. Developing right now our own internship and apprenticeship programs. So if you look at if you look at the organizations that we support, and first in uh, Pennsylvania College of Technology and so on, the, if you add up all of the students that are attending, coming out of these post-secondary institutions every year, you're looking at maybe a hundred students. And the demand is far greater than that. Oh heavens, yes. So, yes, yeah. And then another thing to consider is the entry level pay for this career. Uh, you know, it can be kind of restrictive when you've built up school debt if you if you're uh, you know taking out loans to attend the post secondary. So we we developed this solution in this apprenticeship program where. We're recruiting host shops across the country that have the willingness and the ability to teach our curriculum in their shops. We put together a task force, absolutely terrific task force, of uh, shop owners and educators to develop our own curriculum. We're looking at what's being taught in automotive technology and collision repair classes, and we're saying, okay, what's not being taught in those classes right now? What are the skills that a new entry into the restoration field would need to know if they've taken these classes and we're complementing that curriculum with our own task list of you know you're not learning carburetor rebuilding right now in an automotive technology class you're not learning how to work with um with a buck to create a new fender in uh you know automotive collision repair so we're taking that we're going to the host shops and we're saying you know can you teach this curriculum in your shop, and then we're turning to schools, and a critical component of this is finding instructors that understand what I was talking about earlier, that this is not just somebody who is interested in cars, This this is somebody who really, truly loves vehicles and classic cars and our automotive heritage and really wants to learn a craft instead of a profession. Those are the candidates that we want to be taking to the host shops and presenting to the shops and saying, Here's here's a, a real rock star and this is somebody who's gonna come into your shop, learn this curriculum that we've developed and become one of the future craftspeople. So we don't have a facility of our own, but we're working on creating this network of shops across the country that really serve as our educational facilities.
3: Well, well, how, you know, I, I did a lot when I was on the AACA and Horses Carriage National Board. I I did quite a bit with uh, the youth programs, like the Haggerty Youth Judging and all kinds of stuff. Yes. And and uh, um, how, how would a, how would a young guy that's sort of interested that grandpa has a Model A in the garage? How how would he? find out about this I you know I, I know of you but I don't know about you H- how would a young guy find out about this H- how would this get spread to somebody who may have a, a real interest in, in getting into this I, I, I you know I, I see your ad in Hemmings uh, but I I just wondered how how would a, how would you find out about this stuff?
0: that's an excellent question it's um obviously one of the reasons i'm very glad that you all reached out to to talk to us um you know we need more partners like you who are willing to talk to us and kind of uh, echo our message out throughout their network um we have a terrific ambassador network if um if you're interested in supporting our cause and kind of being our boots on the ground. Because we're a small organization, we're a small non-for-profit, and uh, we can't afford to be everywhere at once. So we rely on our ambassador network to go and talk to the schools, to evaluate host shops for us, uh, to go to car clubs and different events, and spread the word for us. Another huge, huge component of this is, again, what I talked about earlier, that relationship with the instructors, because if we find those really dedicated above and beyond high school and post-secondary instructors that understand the need for talented young people and get what we're trying to accomplish, they can pick out those students that that this is really going to resonate with and... You know, suggest to them you should really apply for this program you should talk to the RPM foundation it, It's we don't just do um, the apprenticeship and internship programs we do career services for young people we bring students to uh, different events to introduce them to different possibilities within the, the uh, industry so there's a lot that we can offer young people but yeah to your point we need to be able to get that message out there and for that we need partners like you and we need uh our ambassadors, and we need our instructors. Well,
3: have you have you considered, you know, because I, I know a lot of. I've been around this hobby. for I grew up in this hobby, and, and uh, have you considered contacting, or have you contacted uh, the major? Clubs, if you will. Now, see, I'm more interested. I think there's a there's a there's a lot of stuff available for somebody who wants to become a, a Ford mechanic or a Chevy mechanic or Toyota or whatever. I think there's a lot of that right. that's available. But in the antique and classic cars, now you keep mentioning Penn State. My understanding is a Penn College closed their program for lack of interest.
0: They um, uh, they put the program on hiatus, and so. Uh, just a little background. So they used to they used to offer an entire restoration yes, they did. educational track, and they uh, kind of suffered for lack of enrollment. So what they did was, and I thought this was a great approach. They've added it now as an elective at the end of their regular automotive sure. and collision repair tracks.
3: Yeah, so Earl and I, Earl and I were pretty good friends. Uh, yeah. Earl Mowry, but but anyway, you know the major clubs like AACA, Horses Carriage, uh, Classic Car Club of America, Model A Restorers Club. I belong to all of those, and and uh, have been quite involved. And those are the guys; those are the people that have the biggest far reach in this hobby. And those are the those are the guys that that um, I I think would. They would benefit the most from your your guys getting getting kids into shops. I know guys. I have a couple of good friends, Antique Bill Word, antique engine rebuilder. I was just down to see him, and he tried for years to get apprentices to learn how to pour babbitt. He has every K R Wilson Ford tool you can find for T's and <laughs> oh, A's, and and he could never find anybody. When they found out, you know, you got to pick this block up and <laughs> set it up and and drill the
1: babbitt we poured. It just wasn't sitting in front of a computer punching buttons. Yeah. Hey, I just had an idea, Nick. You might think about this. Every year at the AACA annual meeting Correct. in February, they ask for speakers to do presentations for seminars. And that would be perfect for the RPM Foundation. I mean, just what you're telling us on the radio this morning would be to go there and make a presentation to them about your foundation and any, uh, you know, Sure, that's a great idea. Handouts and a, and a trade show booth and a
3: trade show booth. We, it, I don't think it costs yeah. anything. I don't yeah. know if you've looked well, into
1: that. But it, well, as a foundation, I, I I trust I'll bet they would. So
0: have, uh, yeah, you bring up an excellent point. And uh, first of all, that's something that I would love to do. I'd I very much welcome making a presentation, really in front of any club that wants to hear our message we have been approached by some of the clubs because the clubs are uh like you said they're a terrific outlet but they're also experiencing the same issue that we're up against uh, depending on the club you know they their members are starting to age out and there's not enough young people coming into the club's and, and and Steve
3: Steve's
2: one of the age outers. Yeah, they, I I hate to look around behind me. There's that guy
3: following me from the nursing home or the funeral home with a tape measure. No, no, that's Mrs. Swiger. Yeah, Mrs. Swigger, Yeah, she she used to do anyway. She has a big museum up in Pennsylvania. I know Pat real well. And, and oh yeah, when you'd meet when you'd meet her, she used to take a. Tape measure out of her pocket and say, "Ah, oh, you're a size six and a quarter." Yeah. <laughs> she was really fun. She was really yeah. funny.
0: But that's but like it, that Clint Eastwood movie where he says, uh, "You know, put uh, get get three coffins together." Oh,
1: yeah, 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 dirty hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, another one. The, there's seventy-five thousand people in the Porsche Club of America, and there's a whole separate group called the 356 Registry. And there's no fuel injection. There's no electronic ignition in those. And those people are so adamant about authenticity that they even go down to the brand of screw that was supplied to the Germans when they built the cars. So there's another group that you may want to appeal to. Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, you you'd rattle off a bunch too, and I'm just thinking that that's sports big, car people—that's yeah. the biggest car club of the sports car people.
2: Yeah. And Nick, I think you'll be yeah.
1: amazed that uh, you
2: will get uh, some feedback from the show we're doing today. As a matter of fact,
0: I certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, again, from uh, from the car club perspective, you know, we're working on trying to put together. have, uh, you know, exposure to these cars and these technologies so that they can decide, well, maybe this is something that I actually want to pursue. Well, I'd be interested to hear uh, what you guys thought about as far as the clubs go, because we've been having this conversation. Uh, When you when you look at the clubs, there's a certain sort of exclusivity that with the clubs where, you know, okay if you are a member of the Ferrari Club of America how does a young person get involved with that club when the mark that they are representing is priced so far out of a young person's reach how how do you get a young person integrated with that club well i'd be curious to know if you guys have All right a I,
3: if i was a kid and or i was looking for i had a business and i was looking for somebody i don't care that they own the car they, they just need to, like, uh, Porsche mechanics make a really serious income. Uh, you know, I would be more interested in, in going, having somebody that would contact the Ferrari Club of America and let the club take care of it. It's not your job. You, you're you not, a, you don't own a Ferrari repair facility, but the club knows who does, who's looking Who's good? Who's bad? Who's marginal? What skills are really needed? I would let the I would let the club be your spokesman for that particular market uh, to get the people get the young people into
1: the right facility because you can't know everything about everything. No, and, and and Steve's right. There are specialty shops that restore Ferraris like Bob Smith in Texas and Motion Performance up in. Uh, Wisconsin, but uh, uh, to go even further, the Nethercut collection, um, well, we'll come back to that. We want to take a break, and I've got a couple of ideas for you. So, David? Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy,
0: or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in now. to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo yeah, and Jim good. Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com. Hi, this is
3: Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking about anti-car insurance, I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. So when you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit J.C.Taylor.com on the Internet. Okay, we're going
2: to, we'll be coming back in just a second, so...
0: Okay. You're, listening You're listening to, to America's, Web America's Web Radio okay, right? on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Uh, uh, Thank okay. you for listening. Uh, I, think, uh, uh, I think I'm having a hard time hearing uh, oh. is it Steve
3: or Jim. Okay. I don't know. How
2: am I doing? We're, we're, we're coming back, so uh, hang on. Now. Okay. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening to us today. And we've got a very special guest on. Nick Ellis. He's the program director for RPM. And if you don't know what RPM is, Google it, RPM Foundation, and find out. And, you know, you all have been talking around on, uh, on getting kids involved in the, in the uh, hobby of classic cars and restoration and so forth. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we missed a generation in here that didn't teach their kids about cars and now it's gotten to the point uh, particularly with the the later model cars where you can't just open the hood and say here's how you set the timing and uh, <laughs> you know we need we really need uh, our grandparents to take their grandkids to the museums and show them what they knew and uh, you know we had a car like that when I was growing up we had a car like that da-da-da-da-da and uh, it's you know it's got to be a, a combined effort, and we can't let anybody politically or anybody else tell us what goes in history books. There should be chapter after chapter of what transportation has meant to this country, and uh, you know if you learn as a kid how to work on a car, you're going to be able to work on that truck as well and uh, you know it it's just a combined package so uh, Nick, I'm very glad that uh, you decided to join us today, and we're going to keep going with uh, Steve and Jim. Go ahead, Jim.
0: Okay. I'm so uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All
1: right, Nick, I'm just thinking, you, you've you got some incredible car collections in this country, and as you are fully aware of, the LeMay, but you take a look at a restoration shop like J.B. Nethercut and um, the Mullen Foundation in California... And then you go to Fred Simeone in Philadelphia, and there's so many more of them around. And they all have docents and and volunteers now, but they've got a few key people. But what happens when those few key people go away? There, there's no apprentice there. I'm never going. Yeah, yeah well, there's some guy with a big... <laughs> <laughs> Big stick with a hook on it coming after you. <laughs> anyway, my point is there's there's plenty of opportunities. It's just how do you get to them, and that's the key thing. And, and I think if you would start with the AACA and that club, because that club has so many other clubs integrated with it, or, or people like Steve and me that belong to that, but we belong to other car clubs too. Uh, it, to, to me, it's it's phenomenal what you're doing, and we've had some of the trade schools, including McPherson College and, and yeah, Alfred and State, Alfred, and, and we had Penn Tech and, and Tech. Yeah, on, and then we even did UTI, and oh we, great. yeah. Well, the the greatest one was when we did their NASCAR school. They, yeah, they, uh, yes. yeah, they've got an NASCAR school, and boy, that was fun. How you yeah, can build? We
0: had a couple of uh, UTI students um, uh, in the RPM network who attended that program. They they love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny. They I, just one thing sticks in my mind. They built three cars on the same chassis plate. With the same materials, but all three cars handle differently t- on the setups. <laughs> and it's it, what the, I think these cars have personalities. And it's but very nice that they oh, make yeah. the tire
3: changers wear a mask now yes, while they're yeah. changing
1: those. <laughs> t- I mean, that's it. Oh Lord! All right. Uh, uh, okay, Nick. We've been talking. Tell us more, or tell us. Give us some ideas. Well, or that we could show actually
0: you you touched on something that I was hoping to uh, to mention you you talked about the museums and how important the museums are in introducing young people to the, the not just the collector hobby but also the industry and RPM Foundation, through our grant funding, has a terrific relationship with some great museums across the country, not just LeMay, uh, America's Car Museum, but we have supported internships at um, uh, the Gilmore Car Museum. Excellent, um, yeah. Yeah, at uh, um, Peterson Museum, we just did a really great internship with Auburn Court Duesenberg. Oh, that's a, that's
1: oh, a great super place! Yeah, super What a beautiful place! They've
0: got one intern, and they're sharing the intern between three museums in that you know in that museum row that they have right there in Auburn. Right. And I love that because that's taking you know the administration of the intern and the funds that we were able to to supply for that intern, but that intern is getting exposure to three completely different types of vehicles, and the, all three museums are getting the benefit of having this intern on their premises. So there is that new generation of museum curators and uh, collection managers coming up through that internship network. And I'm, very very uh, reassured by that because the museums are vital to maintaining a young person's interest in this industry
2: Nick uh, back to RPM I doubt that we have a lot of kids listening today um I don't know. Steve sort of runs them off with his uh, cane and uh, walker. But anyway, uh, we probably have some grandparents and some parents listening. So well, What? what is the process of working with you all from a young person's standpoint and finding out about an internship and so forth?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Just visit the website. Uh, have the Have the young person sign up for our mailing list. We're always... Putting out information about our uh, our scholarships, our programs, the apprenticeship program, and the internship program. Uh, we've got um, the ability to text information. to, you know, the, one of the funny things is, you know, I'm I'm discovering that young people aren't really using email. And you know, to me, I'm I'm you know coming up on 50 years old, and that was a, a new exciting technology to me at one point, And now that's you know they kind of gone the wayside. Email. So we're adapting. As much as we can to appeal to young people and communicate the way young people do. So the key is if you, you know, if you have a child or a grandchild that you think has an affinity for this, put us in touch with them. We're very, very personal with them. We you know, we talk uh, one-on-one with them about what their goals are, what their aspirations are, and then once you're part of the RPM network, you're part of the network for as long as you want to. As long as you want to uh, participate, we will introduce you to other people in our network that can help you along your career. And, uh, you know, it can be a life-changing relationship. I just connected uh, a young UTI student with one of the um, people at uh, Singer Vehicle Design in oh. Los Angeles. And I don't know if you're familiar with yes. Singer. They take Porsches from the late 80s and early 90s and they turn them into supercars. So this is an amazing company, and here this young person came in, and he had an affinity for Porsches, and he was attending UTI, and he's this bright, personable young guy, and I immediately thought of Singer for him. So we can do that for people at all different levels. We just need to make that first contact. So if you've got somebody that you think would benefit from the RPM network, please have them contact us, uh, reach out, and we're happy to talk to them personally.
1: All uh, right, Nick, give us your email address and your phone number, please.
0: My email address is info. Or I'm gonna give you the RPM email address because right. that comes to me anyway. It's INFO Info at RPM dot foundation. And the phone number is 855-537-4579. And if you want to find out about us online, you just go to rpm.foundation.
1: Okay, excellent. Now, at the end of the show, I want you to repeat that again, in case one of us old guys couldn't write fast enough.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, my quill ran out of ink halfway through, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hey,
3: Hey, are you still using your abacus? Uh, No, no, I sold that and I got a Ferrari instead. Oh, okay. I'm driving to Texas to get it fixed. What are you talking about? (laughs)
0: you're... You're joking, but I learned on a manual typewriter out of type, so I'm still, when I sit down at a, a computer, I still hammer the keys as hard as you used to. On <laughs> no, no. It's a, um, uh,
2: what do you do when you take the swing at the uh, page?
3: Uh, page. Uh, yeah, the carriage. The carriage. The car- oh, yeah, I remember that in typing yeah. class. Yeah. I remember all the cute girls in ca- typing class. That's why I went. I just smacked the monitor
0: across the desk. Yeah.
3: That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that helps. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that yeah. helps. Yeah. yeah, he says he's coming up on 50. <laughs> he says he's, like, he's a kid. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. You, you wouldn't enjoy this company. Yeah. No, no.
3: I got to go to the, I got to go get some water and take my morning pills. Uh-huh. Takes me 20 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this group this group knows the first heaters in cars when they, they were heating the bricks by the fireplace and then putting them in the cars.
0: Oh they ultimately. had a co- the,
3: the brass cars had a coal little a coal thing yeah. in there yeah. Yeah. in the back. You got to got to remember
0: trying to I was trying to describe to somebody do you guys remember on the Model A's there used to be that accessory exhaust manifold that had to flow God, through jurors. that would heat air yes. and then go through a vent yeah yeah a in hole the in the firewall that, well. was, that it, was the way to get heat into the car
3: yeah it was so and it gets i have a model a and it gets so hot in that car yeah. you can't stand it cuz there's yeah it, it has a the, if you get the actual period one it has a waffle on the top and it gets so yeah. hot in that car you can't stand to be in the thing
0: yeah. <laughs> and didn't they used to have um, a little picnic setup where you could put um, um, like a little metal container on top of that, and it would heat up yeah. food when you were on your. When race. you, if
3: you go to the Model A Club's convention, they they have a manifold cooking contest. They have a manifold cooker, <laughs> yeah. and they have a contest in who can make the best meal. Yeah, on the, on the manifold <laughs> cooker.
1: Yeah. and you remember the water bags they used to hang on the front. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Uh, Oh, well, see, yeah, you're a kid. (laughs) There was literally (laughs) a canvas bag that you hung on the bumper when you went across the Lincoln Highway... And in case your car overheated, because back then, well, this was after thermosiphon, but <laughs> not too yeah, many new yet, stuff. Yeah, had thermostats. New stuff. Yeah.
2: think They were doing that back in the fifties. So yeah. Yeah. All.
3: I, you know, like I said, I, I can, I can put you in contact with a, a lot of people. Another one that I, I think is worth you'd, calling. You'd, you'd
2: be amazed at the context that uh, Steve has at the nursing home.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get the Always bingo. Pri- I get all the prizes for bingo. Uh, but but anyway, another good one would go to a horse's carriage website, look up the editor, Tracy Lesher. She has two teenage boys, young teenage boys. And they're always looking for good stories for the horse's carriage gazette and i i think tracy would be very interested in publishing a story in the gazette uh about rpm i i really do and you can just tell her that that stinky steve said call the boys just call me stinky steve i don't know why i take a bath once a week but anyway, they... Uh, uh, in the pond. In the pond. <laughs> but, but yeah, call, look up Tracy. She's another one after Steve Moskowitz that, that has a, a vast reading. And so does Natalie Weaver, who's the editor of uh, uh, Model T Club International magazine. And that's a, big, that's a pretty big club, too. And, and those, those three right there, can, can you, you can get in touch with, uh, with a bunch. And I can't remember who the current editor of Model A Restores Club is. Um, but but uh, Steve can tell you who they are because everybody, it seems in this hobby that most everybody who is uh, in, we'll just say, you know, belongs to a, another club also is a member of AACA. Uh, because that's the grand—that's the umbrella organization.
1: Yep. So he's—he's
3: yeah. he's the main
1: one. Yeah, that's why it's so important. I think that you can get a hold of Steve and see if you can't do a presentation at the convention. At the convention, if they hold it, in I would
0: your, love to. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's
0: that's that's worth it. Uh, and if I can, you know, you, you kind of touched on something that's um, uh, you know, one of the latest initiatives with with RPM is we want to get these stories out there into the world and what we what we could really use is help with um, telling those stories so if there are people in your network that would like to write articles for us uh, you know we, we don't really have much of a budget to pay uh, writers to put these articles together we have a lot of um, publications that would welcome content if we could put it together for them, but we really need. Uh, yeah, well, you know, like you write the stuff. And,
3: yeah, photos. you write the stuff and get it to them, and it, and they'll they'll be more than the editors of these magazines will will be more than glad to to work with you on stuff.
0: Yeah, we f- we find that, but uh, they they usually are looking for kind of a finished article. So if um, you know if you've got people in the network that would like to donate some. Uh, and writing time to us I'd be very appreciative of that.
3: well talk to the editors they know who they know who they they, they know who they are uh, that Terrific. could help you and another guy that I would I think you might want to call who's a a friend of mine is John Meyer he was the, the he was a past president of the uh, automotive historic right society yeah, yeah. a historical society a writer society or whatever and he's in California <coughs> and and uh, he was the editor of Horses Carriage Gazette plus some other clubs newsletters for years, and uh, uh, <coughs> he's an excellent contact to you know a bunch of people of mostly brassier stuff. So there are there are a lot of a lot of avenues out there, and and I think you know, like I see your ad in Hemmings, but I get Hemmings and I just skim through this stuff. I immediately go to the ads. That's what I get Hemmings for.
1: Yeah. Um, One other thing, when you contact Steve, find out, he probably will know this quicker than anybody, but Steve Moskowitz, yeah. The other national conventions are some of the bigger clubs. Yeah, well, Horses' Carriage has a big convention every year. Yeah, yeah, and... I, the other one that I'm thinking about is the Cadillac LaSalle Club or the Thunderbird Club because both of those those clubs, have big conventions. They, yeah. and, and have, I know the guys there. Yeah, and they have big publications, and I'm sure there's this, there's a bunch of Chevy clubs and Ford clubs. So um, it's just it's getting the information to those people so they can start working on yeah, their children.
3: This is desperate. I mean, I, in this hobby, this is becoming.
1: Desperate, but it really is. Well, yeah. uh, dealerships—the same thing with modern-day yeah. technicians. Yeah, they're having a heck of a. Well, time. that's what Jason was telling me Friday. He yeah. said, "I can't find people." He said, yeah. "I'm so
3: backed up, I can't find kids." Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I, yeah. I was. Uh, that's uh, that's why um, I'm I'm very happy that we're affiliated with the Tech Force Foundation because they're doing the best they can to introduce young people onto. Um, the, you know, the modern side of things. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, within America's Automotive Trust, we have, we've really got solutions for all aspects of the industry shortage. It's a, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice relationship. It's a nice coalition.
1: And these, these kids can go in there huh. and make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, yes. I got
3: my degree in Ethiopian place settings and I made $12,000 a year yeah, at McDonald's. But
1: you see, you didn't get a sub-degree in women's studies, Okay, with that being said, we'll let
2: folks think about it. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this.
3: Hi, my name's Steve Rinaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, In this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic, classic antique, or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. My name
0: is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty
3: costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their
0: passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
2: And we're back on the classic car show. Our guest today is Nick Ellis. With he is the program officer for RPM, and uh, I, you know, we're we're talking about the importance of young folks finding out about the business. And as y'all were talking, and Steve was talking earlier that. Uh, you know, you can walk out of these schools and you got a fi- six-figure job in front of you, and uh, depending on how you do, it, it can even be better than that. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, maybe we should just, in your ads, you should just put dollar signs and say, "Are you ready to make a great living?" And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: you know that. Yeah, but you know when when. Uh, th- when the three of us were growing up, that would make a whole lot of difference today. I guess with the culture change or whatever it is, uh, uh, I don't know that they care about money like uh, like the three of us did. But uh, anyway, it's it's a heck of an opportunity for kids. To, and it and it's not just in the classic car industry; it's in every industry from arc welding up and down the gambit. You can if you're. We used to call them trade schools, and oh my God, you would go to a trade school. You have to go to a four-year college and learn nothing. Um, but it's changed; things have changed, and uh, we certainly—I certainly appreciate what you all are doing.
0: Thank you. So, I've had some um, some great conversations with instructors at those trade schools, and it's it's great to talk to. I, I keep coming back to the instructors being so vital to this because they're really the ones that they can they can pick out a young person who really has an affinity for this type of, of work and really nurture them and put them down the right path. And they, they you know, they address that issue of, you know, the perception that shop class, you know, in the 50s was like, you know, where you put the bad kids. Okay, these are the ones that are going to cause trouble, so let's stick them in shop class. And the difference between that perception and reality couldn't be more stark. The kids in, who excel in shop class, they're very, very bright kids. They just learn a different way. They're tactile learners. They need to have their hands on things and they need to visualize what they're working on. And, you know, they're brilliant young people. So, you know, encouraging them down that path is vital. We need to buy in from parents to, you know, realize that, you know, a, a blue collar trade is, you know, just as uh, you know, can can be just as uh, rewarding and uh, lucrative as you know, some of the white collar trades, and it's as far as the rewarding side. There's that adage, you know, you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. One of the things that I love to tell the groups of students that we bring on our programs is, you know, when you talk about a career in the trades, there's great opportunities out there for plumbers, for electricians, for carpenters, but you don't get a group of plumbers in a parking lot on a Saturday morning at eight o'clock in the morning comparing their welds. This is the this is the only trade that really has a culture attached to it, so that you can really genuinely love what you're doing and make a terrific living at it.
1: Well, and the other thing, Nick, is. When I grew up, there were Ford guys and Chrysler guys and Chevy guys, and of course now they're probably Honda guys or BMW guys or Toyota or Porsche or something. But it, it, it is. It's a cult, and, and you get involved yeah. in that. But I, I want to toss something else out at you. Working environments, uh, of course, I was a line tech back in the 60s, and our shops weren't air conditioned. Today, oh, God, they're beautiful. Some today, of these yeah, you go into a dealership and there are are new facilities and the shops are air conditioned, and tile floors, yeah, and stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, a soul. isn't that something? Yeah, that's a that's another part of the perception that really needs to change. That you're going into this cave and you're you yeah. know, and that you're going to be working under these terrible conditions. You know, the, that's a perception that was formed before there were you know regulations on the industry for safety and uh, yeah. you know, and for longevity yeah. of the. Workers. I used to wear so, miners.
3: Yeah, you I go used into to wear a lot a of these shops and
0: they're absolutely. Spotless, clean, oh, and yeah. uh, you know, pleasant, and the noise level is, uh, is you know, well, uh, very tolerable, <laughs> and it's a genuinely nice place to work.
1: Yeah, all you got to do is watch one of Jay Leno's videos and look how beautiful yeah. his place is. <laughs> yeah, but Nethercut, I, I was in Nethercut, I'm going to say probably 15 years ago, I had a private tour of that, uh, and it just blew my mind. And to, and they didn't have 3D printers then. Today. You you don't need to worry about a part. You just make one, make one, and a cylinder heads yeah. and everything, powdered yeah. metal, yeah. and Isn't off that you go. Yeah, it's it's just it's phenomenal. And you, you you're talking about bucks. I, I mean, I can understand bucks in an English wheel for an aluminum body, but outside of that, uh, who can use it? And, and there are guys that need that today because some of these old cars, the alloy bodies are so messed up, they literally have to recreate them. Well, yeah. 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 So th- there's so many aspects of this trade that you can get into. And we, a long time ago, interviewed a guy that had a, uh, Faye Butler, the, the metal guy that teaches oh, classes. Yeah. yeah. We've interviewed him. What I, I mean, you go up there for two weeks. What What an education, and and that's all supplemental to what you would learn in one of the schools like McPherson. It's sort of like fine tuning. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's it's just wonderful the, the creativity that's going yeah. on today, and it's just we gotta, gotta, got to got got to expand on it. Yeah, that's we've got to get these kids excited about that. Because it, it you know When I grew up, you had to have a house and a car. You had to have a savings account. That's, that's I had kinda a car and a tent. had a tent. <laughs> the car was more important <laughs> well, than you, the house. You drove a TC <laughs> with a kerosene heater. That's in the true. Winter, I did. So, yeah, I did. That but was goofy. But my my point is, they look at things differently today. But you still need the same things. You still need housing.
2: You know. Again, back to our earlier point that. The way we, the only way I think that we're going to get to the kids, is through their grandparents and possibly their parents. But there's so many parents today that wouldn't have a clue how to change a tire, much less know what's under the hood. How many but, of them have had a flat tire? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know, that's so true, yeah. I, I think that's... our target, your target, our target, your ads should be grandparents. You have an important job to do. Um, and let the grandparents work on the kids because uh, we're not you and the three of us aren't going to be te- you're not going to be touching the teenagers and there's so many teenagers today I lived and breathed from the time I was seven or eight years old to get my driver's license all I wanted to do was get a car and be able to drive and uh, today kids yeah I don't care you know I don't care whether I drive or not let mommy take me. And uh, it's incredible. I don't, I can't understand it, but, so we have to get to the, I think it's the grandparents. I think we've already missed the boat with the parents, and we have to get to the grandparents.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you don't hear a lot of stories of of, young people getting into this interest in this industry because they, you know, they picked up a magazine or because they stumbled across something on their own. Most of the time when you talk to somebody, it is a parent or a grandparent who introduced them to it. So those influencers in a young person's life are vital. So if, uh, you know, again, if you're out there and you're listening to the program, you've got somebody uh, in your family or in your circle of influence that you think would get an affinity for this. Please bring them in, you know, and and introduce them to it. It might be, it might take a while for it to take hold. Be patient, you know. Show them how the uh, show them how the technology of the time works. Show them the appeal of you know the design and the function of these cars. Like it's, mm-hmm. if you look at some of these, some of the design on these cars, it's it's a work of art. And if you can appreciate that, and if that resonates with you, you know. There, there's no stopping you from that point and you can you can go on to a career in this and truly love it yeah. and I want to touch a little bit on what was uh, said before about you know in in you know uh, uh, in the past you had to have a house and you had to get married and you had to have a car by a certain age and if you look at the trend people are buying that first house later and they're getting married later and they're having kids later in life and It's interesting to watch that kind of follow along with the trend, with the push for a four-year education and a degree. So you would think that there's a correlation between getting out of college, having all this debt, having to pay off the debt, and then starting your life.
2: Nick, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We have run out of time. I told you it went fast, oh. and uh, we are out of time. So oh. thank you so much for being on. You got me and,
1: talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks,
3: yeah. Nick. You're the best. Yeah, can I'll, we? I'll, uh, I'll call you, and we can, we can talk a little
0: bit. Can, after uh, can
2: we invite you back?
0: Absolutely, have me back as many times as you want. I'm so happy to, to be here, and I had such a terrific time talking to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.